And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. And I thank you for tuning in today. If you're new to the show, again, my name is Andy Webb. I have been a member at Lifestyles Unlimited for coming up on 12 years now. And my wife and I, back in 2012, we bought our very first single-family rental house. It was a rehab, needed foundation work, all that fun stuff, and got through that, got it rented, started making cash flow, watched the equity build up, all that good stuff, and went on to buy another and another after that. And we just kept going until she was retired, and then I was retired, and we've just been living the lifestyle ever since. Now, we are originally in, primarily in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's where we've invested in most, but not all of our houses uh, and we've also gone on to invest in apartments by following the map that we were handed when we became members at Lifestyles Unlimited. So we're now invested in apartments as well in Texas, outside of Texas, kind of kind of spread around at this point. So uh, that's kind of my track record over a decade or so. And I'm not in Dallas-Fort Worth right now. If you've caught the show before, you know we like to travel quite a bit. And in fact, I'm coming to you from East Texas uh, about an hour or so outside of town. We're, we're actually out on the land where we park the, what I call the RV bunker. I've learned since owning this land that uh, there's quite a lot of maintenance uh, to do. And I like doing it coming out here. There's a little little pond, got to keep that thing cleaned up and, you know, keeping the grass mowed and, and trees. And it's those trees actually that were, were on my mind as I was preparing this show. And in fact, I was up just a couple days ago, 20, 30 feet <laughs> up in the air, uh, trimming some of the dead wood. And it's something I like to do. My wife, on the other hand, she absolutely hates it when I'm up there 20, 30, 40, 50 feet in the air. She's, she's afraid I'm going to fall. But here's the thing. <laughs> we both perceive the risk very differently. So we kind of diverge on our notion of risk. We perceive the risk differently. And it's interesting to think about risk. And that's what I want to talk about on the show today, because if we had let all the, the big fears and risks that we saw in buying one single family house stop us a decade plus ago, we would not have gotten to this point where we are now. And I know that a lot of people deal with fear and that fear comes around perceived risk. And that's the interesting thing. If you, if you do a little research, there's actual risk and there's perceived risk and actual risk refers to those things, a, 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 a quantifiable risk. You know, you can put a, a probability to it. And if it does happen, you can assign a value to the, the cost of that thing that has happened, the severity of the risk, let's say. That's, an, that's actual risk. Perceived risk, by comparison, it's, it's a subjective judgment. And there's the problem. It's your subjective judgment as an individual. I, as an individual, up 30 feet in a tree, I'm convinced of my abilities and my long arms to get to where I need to go without problem. But my wife... Not, not, not a skilled tree climber or whatever, has a different perception of the risk. It's subjective. And that's the problem with a lot of the risk that you perceive around real estate is you have emotion involved. And contextual factors from things you've seen in, in, in the press, in the news, maybe you talk to somebody that had a bad personal experience with uh, buying and, and renting a single family property. All of these things build into that perceived risk. 
and the probability blows up on you and you think it's 100% going to happen. And we've got to work on that. Uh, the perceived risk is what really is, is there and, and can hold you back. And really, whether it's real estate or anything else, risk is all around you. You, you probably don't think about it. You know, when we hook up the RV and pull it for a thousand miles across the country, we take on risk, the risk of an accident, the risk of a gust of wind knocking that thing sideways, flipping it over. I've seen pictures, this stuff happens. But those are kind of really out there. Those are very low probability. So when you go to take on a new risk, do you think about the probability? Do you think about whether your perception is maybe weighing a little too heavily into the probability of that thing even happening? Is it actually even an actual risk at all? You know, when you get in your car to drive to the store, to the, to the football game, baseball game, the job, whatever, you take on risk. Do you even think about it? Probably not. Probably not. What's the probability of getting into a wreck between here and a mile down the road at the store? You just don't think about it. You tend to focus more on those big, big ticket risks, those big ticket things that are going to happen, you know, and you don't weigh it. You don't weigh it in a realistic way and consider the actual probability. And of course, the interesting thing with risk, when it is an actual risk, you can do things to change the probability of a lot of the risk out there by taking mitigation actions, uh, steps to mitigate the risk. And this is the big problem for a lot of people out there. You, you, you think about somebody says, hey, you know, you really ought to look into buying a single family house or a duplex, create some, some passive income, become a real estate investor. And your, your gut reaction, your knee jerk reaction is ah, no way too risky. But why is it too risky? Why do you say that? If that's you, take a moment, step back and ask yourself, why do I, why do I respond in that way? Is it something concrete that I know is an actual risk, or is this maybe more just a broad perceived risk that is driven by fear, driven by fear? So we're going to talk through risk and, and real estate risks specifically on the show. I will enumerate some of these for you, and I have a – actually, we're going to start with, with, with uh, talking about investing passively in multifamily and apartments because that is what a lot of the members at Lifestyles Unlimited do. I started, I happened to start with single family, built up that portfolio, and I did get into multifamily. I am loving that. I am loving that. And what we'll do is we'll take a look at some of the language that you're going to find around risk, around real estate risk in a private placement memorandum. And when you go to become an investor in an apartment syndication, the syndicator, we, we call them lead investors here at Lifestyles Unlimited, they're going to present you with some materials, some marketing materials, the business plan, the numbers and what's called a private placement memorandum. And that's going to outline how the, the business is intended to, to operate. Um, and, and it will go very, very at length into real estate risk. So we're going to look at that. And then with, with time, we'll see what we can get into on the single family side. I think, to be honest with you, as somebody that's, do, that's been doing single family for a longer time, um, I think you may encounter more risk there as an investor than as a passive investor in multifamily. But the good news is either way, there are lots and lots of ways to mitigate actual risk in real estate. But you gotta get past that perceived risk first. And a big reason, a big, big reason why we invest in real estate, I mentioned very briefly my path, my wife's path, we got real estate retired. And we invest in order to get to the retirement finish line sooner. Not, not when the government says, hey, Andy, you're 67 and two months, I believe, would have been my, the age of 67 and two months would have been my uh, mandated or allowed retirement age to collect full, full benefits. I, I beat that by uh, two decades, okay? 
And I've met members that have done it in their 30s, done it in their 20s. So there's no reason that you have to follow that, that, that timeline. But a lot of people do. And I want to start there. I want to start with not real estate risk, but retirement risk. Again, real estate is a great option, a great way to accelerate your retirement and to secure your retirement. Two things. It does two things for you with respect to retirement. Most of you won't do it, though. Like, like, like we said, your, your, your mantra is real estate is too risky. But let's think about the, your, your, your current path and what are the risks of continuing down that path. Again, thinking with retirement as the, as the goal here. What are the risks? And are you, are you weighing them? Are you considering the chances, the, the probability that one of those things, one of those disasters, whatever it may be, raises, it rears its head? And what's interesting with perceived risk, most of you don't have any perceived risk around your retirement. You know why? Because it's too far in the future. As things get farther and farther away for us, they appear to be less and less risky. So staying on the path that we're on and cruising towards retirement at 67 when I'm in my mid-40s now, let's say, doesn't seem very risky compared to buying a single-family house tomorrow, having the renovations done over, the, over a period of, let's say, a month or two, and moving a great family in, residence in, in, in three months and having a rental property in my portfolio. That's very immediate. And because it's immediate, the, the perceived risk goes through the roof for you. And a lot of that is emotional. But back to the retirement risk. And I encourage you to really think about these. And, and there's risks that are going to come up before retirement. And then there's a slew of risks that come out come up after you've achieved retirement. Health risk is a big one um, for a lot of people. Will you even get to that age of 67. That's a, that's, a, that's a risk I have to confront. Both of my parents were dead long before. So that's a, a very clear and present danger for, for this guy. Now, I've achieved retirement, so I'm okay now, I guess, from that perspective. But uh, for a lot of people, that's something we don't really weigh in our, in our thinking. And another question is, will your investment accounts actually be there for you when you think it's time to retire at age 65 or 67. I know the stock market's been, it's, it's been up lately again. Um, we haven't taken a big hit in a while. You know, COVID, everything dropped very briefly, short recession, etc. When's it going to happen again? And when they take another hit, will you be able to recover? Have you weighed the probability? Have you weighed the risks? Because most people are investing in a 401k or an IRA to get to that retirement finish line. So that tends to be stocks, which is why I bring that up. But give that some thought. If there is another 50% drop, what's the timeline to recovery? And how's that fit into your retirement plan? So there's some risks along the path to retirement. There are others, lots of others. Um, but there are a lot of risk once you arrive. And I think this is maybe a bigger concern. Um, that could derail that retirement, that could reduce the comfort that you imagined, right? The lifestyle that you imagined that you would have once you're retired. Thinking again about health, once you are retired, health care, the cost of health care and, and long-term care is a risk in and of itself. Costs are going up and up and up. Ties to inflation risk. We've seen that one lately, haven't we? A lot of people are having a hard time out there. What happens when you get to 67? I'm going to stick with that age because that would have been my retirement age. You get to 67, you retire, and suddenly inflation spikes again. Are you ready? It's a risk that a lot of people were not ready for this round. So we got health risk. We got 
inflation risk, tax rate risk, $33 trillion debt that we have as a country, that bill will come due at some point. And in order to pay the bill, I see tax tax rates going up. Tax rates go up, you draw down on your 401k, that required minimum distribution, bam, they hit you with a much higher tax than you perhaps thought you'd be paying. Kind of ties into inflation risk as well, I think. Um, A bigger risk as well, I think, that a lot of people don't consider is, you might call it stock market risk. I I like the the term sequence of return risk. You may get to retirement and have the, you've retired, there's your 401k, and bam, the stock market drops. The sequence of returns just went very unfavorable. What do you do now? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to take a quick break. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Need more unconventional wisdom that'll set you free? Subscribe to Lifestyles Unlimited on YouTube and binge content that will actually help you get where you want to go in life from people who are already there. With over 50,000 members and 32 years of proven success, there's so much more we want to share with you than what we have time for on the radio. On YouTube, we go beyond our shows and feature our best content from podcasts, interviews, expo, master's tour, fireside chats, special events, and more. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andy Webb. I thank you for tuning in today. And we're talking about risk. And we were just talking ahead of the break about the risk on your path to retirement and the risk that rears its head when you do achieve retirement. And there is actual risk and there is perceived risk. And for those in the, in the audience that are younger, 20, 30 maybe, the retirement age for you is what, I don't know, 67 or so like it was for me. Um, that's a long ways away. The risk is so far away that it doesn't seem like a risk at all. The sequence of return risk we were just talking about, right? You get there, you retire, you've got all of your funds in your 401k, a million dollars, and all of a sudden the market tanks and you're down to 500k. The sequence of return, the the, the most recent return is a negative 50%. That's a huge risk. Is it going to happen? Don't know. Don't know. My crystal ball's not working so great these days. But then the question becomes, are you ever going to get back from that 500 to the million? Because now you have to start living off of that 500K in retirement. Your plans just changed dramatically. And add to that, of course, one last risk I'll throw out there. The opposite of the risk I I perceive that I have, uh, the health risk, is longevity risk. And you do get to retirement. And you get there at 67. And suddenly you live to 107. Did you plan for that? And your financial planner, if you work with one, they're going to harp on that. They're going to talk about that. They're going to get into that a lot. Um, And they'll tell you to plump up that 401k and plump up the IRA and so on. But the risk still remains. You're in the stock market, you're in bonds, you're in these financial tools, and there are just simply better ways, better ways to to prepare for retirement and better ways to enjoy your retirement once you get there. And, and real estate investing is is the best way, hands down, that I know. And again, it got me to retirement 20 years ahead of time, got my wife to retirement over 20 years ahead of uh, what would have been retirement for her. And we just did it by buying single-family houses. That's it. That got us there. But I know a lot of investors that go other routes within real estate, and specifically, they start investing in apartments, and that's what I want to talk about now. Again, thinking about retirement risk, there's a lot of risk in your path 
on your current path that you're on and once you get there give that some thought pull that forward don't let that reside in the future because it's going to hang out there you're going to forget about it the probability is there but it's so far away i get it i get it investing in real estate today seems scary today the actual risk appears here today but it is perceived right so let's talk about passive investing i want to i want to focus on that to begin with and what is a passive investor so i've never actively bought an apartment community that i own that i manage on my own we call that independent rental owner i've never syndicated an apartment investment where I find this thing, I negotiate it, I get it under contract, I secure the financing, and then I invite you to come invest with me because we're best buds, we know each other, we understand each other's goals. Hey, come be a passive investor with me. That's what a lead, a syndicator does. I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm one of those passive investors and thousands of members at Lifestyles are passive investors in apartments. And what we do is we just find these syndicators that are good syndicators look like they have got a good opportunity in front of them and we participate we put our money in and that's it how much money it varies it varies by investment I've participated in very small 30 unit apartment communities where the minimum participation amount was $25,000 interestingly when I got the schedule a which outlines who invested and at what amount after we closed there were investors in the investment with as little as $10,000. So there's a variety of ways to participate in apartments. Some may require a much bigger contribution. Those are typically going to be bigger apartment investments. You know, multi-million dollar uh, acquisitions, uh, maybe 200, 300, 400 units, costing two, uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. The capital raise will naturally be higher. So depends, your level of participation depends on, on where you're coming from and what you have available. And if you don't have enough available to work on apartments, start with single family. That's what I would encourage you to do first and foremost and build up that capital. But we have that capital and we start to look around and we're, we're looking at a number of different opportunities and when it gets closer to, to that time and the, the syndicators fi firmed things up, you're going to get what's called a private placement memorandum. And this basically documents what this, this business is going to be, what the, the name of the community, how it's going to operate. Um, we'll get into, there'll also be an operating agreement that gets into a little more detail, but the PPM is going to outline, among other things, the, the, your financial gain, if things go as planned, as well as the risks. Okay, and I've got a, I've got a lot of these PPM that I've looked at over uh, four or five years now. Um, they, they're they're fairly similar, right? In structure, they may be prepared by different attorneys, different SEC attorneys, but um, they all are going to have some chapter, let's say, called real estate risks. And a lot of the language is the same. This is essentially boilerplate stuff. But I just kind of want to walk through a few of these with you so you kind of get an idea about what they view as potential risks. Now, there's no waiting in here. There's nothing that says the probability of this particular risk line item is 50% or 80% or 30%. That's something you can think about. You know, for example, adverse changes in local and national economic conditions. We get, we get into a recession. Sure, that's a risk around real estate changes in the the financial condition of the buyers and the sellers out there in the market buyers are a little bit nervous right now there's they go away well who are you going to sell to if your plan is to sell sure there's a little risk there changes in the availability of debt financing we saw that very early on in in the pandemic all the lenders pulled back strongly they were afraid they perceived risk and there was actual risk there 
So that's a that's a risk in real estate. Changes in the relative popularity of that particular property that you're investing in. Things change in the the submarket around it, to the to the worse or to the positive. We're involved in a in a an investment where they're planning to put in a huge multi million dollar community around these apartments. What do you think that's going to do to the value? I think the the risk is to the positive side there for us. Changes in interest rates, we've seen that. Changes changes in taxes, property taxes, we've seen that. Changes in insurance, we've seen all of these things have come to the fore for a lot of investors out there in this very market right now. Real risks, changes in utility rates. Well, that's inflation. We saw that. <laughs> it's still there. Uh, acts of God. Right, we're getting into this more nebulous sort of thing. Bigger bigger events, I suppose. Changes in uh, or excuse me, unexpected construction costs. Yeah, you know, when you're buying a house or, or apartments to renovate that, you have surprises sometimes. Uh, material shortages, we saw that in COVID. Labor strikes, saw that recently with uh, the automakers. I mean, these are just some of the risks that are named here under real estate risks in this particular PPM. And this looks very much like every other private placement memorandum I've seen. Now, I look at these, I read these, and I weigh them. And how does this really apply to this particular investment right here. And at the end of the day, and here's the interesting thing for you, if you wanna become a passive investor, this is what I want you to take away. I just named a lot of things. I didn't name half of the things that were in that real estate risk uh, paragraph, but that sounds like a lot of risk. That sounds like a lot of risk. But here's the thing, that is the risk to that property and to that investment. But you know what my risk is? It's the money that I contributed and that is it. So I think of this in terms of a worst case scenario. If I put in $25,000 and that thing goes down, that is my loss. Yeah, it's painful, don't wanna see it happen, but my loss is capped because I'm a passive investor in a limited liability company. My liability stops there. If I invested $100,000, my risk is a little higher, but it's capped as a passive investor. Here too, I would consider the probab uh, probabilities. What's the chance this thing actually happens? You know, I took on that risk. My wife and I took on that risk in our first investment, put in $25,000 as passive investors. We were excited. And that thing doubled our money in 18 months. Now we've gone on, we're invested across multiple apartment communities with multiple syndicators in multiple cities and states. So we've essentially diversified ourselves, which is one way to mitigate risk. So there's a lot of things you can, there are a lot of things you can do as a, as a passive investor to make sure you're on the right track and to, to reduce your risk and, and diversify. Um, know that at Lifestyles Unlimited, we do hold the lead investors to very high standards. There's a white paper that uh, was put together some time ago and, and gets updated from time to time that, that is out there to guide the lead investors. Okay. And we also have a passive investor checklist. It's got a lot of questions that that lead answers, things that I need to understand that's just in clear, regular, everyday speak for me. So a lot of things put into place to help you as a passive investor. So again, thinking about actual risk and perceived risk. I know when somebody says, hey, I'm thinking about becoming an apartment investor, who that perceived risk gets really, really big. Oh my God, uh, too risky, too much could happen. What's going to happen? And, and you think of all these things and you have all these fears and it's emotional and it's subjective. And the same thing happens when we talk about something on a much smaller scale, which is just buying one single family rental house. 
In fact, that might even scare you more because now you're in it all by yourself, all alone. Think of the biggest, the biggest, the baddest thing that you think could happen to you if you invested in a single family rental house. What is it? Fire, flood, bad tenants, losing money, right? A lot of what you think about, some of that is actual risk. But if I think on a scale of probability from 0% chance of occurrence to 100%, in your mind, it's at a 100%. That's perceived risk. It's subjective. It involves emotions. But we can pull that back down into reality. And the best way to do that here as well for single family investing, just like with apartments, is through education. And that's what we do at Lifestyles Unlimited. We help educate you on becoming a single family investor as well as an apartment investor. You choose the path. Right? You're on your path to retirement. You want to become a real estate retired like so many people have. It's your choice. It's your choice. But you've got to get past that perceived risk. And, and I would encourage you, and, and we've done shows recently on, on the notion of fear. It's the same thing. I would encourage you to write those things down and maybe assign a probability. What, is, what do you think is the likelihood of that really happening, that fire? And are there things you can do to move that probability closer to zero you know thinking about just disaster risk since i just mentioned fire it's actually pretty small it's actually really small if you're doing it right and at lifestyles unlimited we teach you the model that we follow which means we're out there looking for houses that are looking pretty bad look pretty pretty ramshackle which might scare you but the good news is we're going in and we're fixing those up we're renovating those we're addressing anything that's broken now could break in the in the near term and we're putting onto the market the best product. And because we've gone through that, that, that fire risk, that flood risk, that goes down because we've addressed anything that might, be, might could have been a problem. If I'm buying a 1900, 1905, I looked at one recently, 1905 build in, in eastern Tennessee that's still got the knob and tube wiring, is that a fire risk? 100% it is. The panel's old as dirt. 100% it is. But I can remediate that. I can mitigate the risk by replacing the wiring, just as one example. That fire risk declines significantly. And of course we have insurance at the end of the day if something does happen. Resident risk, that's a big one in a lot of people's mind. I get a bad, I get a bad tenant. Well, we teach you how to screen, how to market your property. And when you start to get those applications in and you'll get them, a lot of them because you have the best product, we teach you how to vet those applicants resident screening, applicant screening, screen right, so that you know you have the best people in that property. And again, going back to the, the model, best product, best price, renovating that from the outset, when you have a solid product that's not causing maintenance issues and ongoing issues uh, because you've done it right, your resident risk goes down. You have a happy family in place, they treat the property well, they treat you well. It really comes down to following the right model. And there are other risks out there that you may perceive, you know, numbers risk, market value. What if the value drops? We talk about this a lot on the show, and there's a lot of fear around recession and what's going to happen. And is there going to be a real estate recession? It just hasn't appeared yet, has it? Should values go down? Again, we're following the right model. We're buying for cash flow. The investment has to cash flow. If I've bought a house that does decline in value, but I'm making cash flow every month, I just hold on through until values re return or even exceed where they were when they got in. 
We saw this in 2008, 2009. A lot of investors became very wealthy by having cash flowing properties and hanging on, not panicking, not having the perceived risk of sudden disaster, but holding tight, understanding the actual risk and holding through. And that's the nice thing with residential real estate. Time is on your side. If you're following a good model like we do at Lifestyles Unlimited, buying distressed assets, fixing those up, managing them well, you get equity capture, which becomes a buffer. You have cash flow, which is a buffer. And time is on your side at that point. Now, time is not on my side. I hear the music has kicked up. One last thing for you, if you're interested in learning more about what we do at Lifestyles Unlimited, go out to our website, lifestylesunlimited.com, and click on the free workshop. No risk at all for you. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit lifestylesunlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.